everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Sweaty Palms podcast. This week's episode is special because it's the first Zoom interview I've ever done. You can check out the video on YouTube or on the website that I just created. This week, I had the pleasure of sitting down and talking with lead vocalist Craig Fitzgerald and bassist Stephen Murtaugh from the Irish indie rock band The Academic. We talked about their tour for their new album, Setting Pretty, their creative process, what it's like growing up together as a band, and so much more. So I really can't wait to dive into this episode and for y'all to hear it. I'll also mention that the audio quality for this episode will be a little different since I did record it over Zoom and I didn't think to plug in my mic. But if you guys want to watch the video, it's on YouTube. I'll link it below. It's also on my website. Stephen and Craig are really funny (laughs) and really cool people and great musicians. Go see them live on their tour. I will have the links to their website and tickets and everything down below. Without further ado, let's get into it. Hey guys, I'm Zoe. I'm from the Sweaty Palms podcast. I have it like down there and I just wanted to say thank you for doing this and I'm really excited and a little nervous so hopefully my voice doesn't crack but if it does you know why. (laughs) Don't worry you're all good. Thanks for having us on. Yeah sure and I love your accents. My dad lives in Portugal and I have a lot of family over in Europe so maybe I'll come to Ireland one day and be able to see you. My sister's in Hamburg so I wanted to come see your show in Hamburg but it's literally next week so that probably wouldn't work out. (laughs) That'd be a good turnaround if you did. Yeah Yeah, I'd be impressed with that. Okay, then I'm going to do it, basically. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so do we wait for everybody to come on, or is every like, are y'all all... It's just us two. Okay, cool. So my very first question is, how did you go from performing on bingo nights and pubs to opening for the Rolling Stones at Croke Park? <laughs> it's, a good, it's a good start. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, we were all in school together, and we had been playing in various different outfits, and towards the end of school, we kind of became the four piece that we are and like any band the only we just chased down whatever we could like going in with like a recording or like a really bad demo and asking could we play and yeah we kind of our first tryout was like a whoever drinks the most wins battle of the bands kind of thing um and that's kind of where we we started and kind of cut our teeth and played live for a while and like Stephen wasn't even like above the age of drinking at the time. So we were technically a lot of bands get kicked out for playing at that age, but it was kind of a bit under the table. Okay. And we, I suppose Stephen, we kind of got in the community of our, of our nearest like big town, Mullingar. Yeah. And completely. From there, yeah. It's a, it's a, we're very lucky in the town that we have, uh, has huge kind of musical heritage. Mm-hmm. One of the greatest, uh, show band singers of all time called Joe Dolan is from there and Niall Horn from One Direction's there and there's tons more. We got a huge it's it it it's a real cultural kind of hotspot and we're we were lucky enough that people were interested in hearing original music there sometimes so that we got to play in local pubs. And then yeah, it's kind of really hard to it's kind of really hard to describe how it went from, you know, from the the very, very start to like the Stones thing because we've been a band for like about 10 years now we kind of haven't had like one big moment that propelled us it's the way we kind of describe it is that we've had all these little victories and it felt like like with the stones thing for example like just to fast track that kind of story it's yeah we started when we were kids in school and we played in a local 
local places and then we started to gig all around Ireland and then we got a good reputation as a live band and then we recorded the single in 2015 and thankfully that got a good reception and we just kept building little victories and little victories from there. And then in 2018, our first album came out and it did well. It went to number one in Ireland and we were we were just having a really good time and we were doing well with gigs in Ireland. And then the promoter uh, pitched us as the Rolling Stone support. And then, yeah, I guess I guess we've been told that that they went through all the possible support acts and that they saw what we were doing as an independent band and they heard about the success of the album and listened to a little bit. And then, yeah, I've, I've no idea why, but they... They they picked us. Uh, yeah. Yeah. That's huge. Okay. So I have to ask what, if you were under the age, what's the drinking age in Ireland? Because I know in Germany, you can drink beer and wine at 16. 18. It's here. It's, it's eight. Yeah. It's 18 legally here, but like culturally, it's, it's, you know, it's whenever you want. Yeah. <laughs> whatever. I mean, that was my experience too. I grew up in Germany for a little bit. Um, not to the oh. drinking age, but yeah, like things are way more lax in Europe. I miss it. Um, <laughs> I might move back and then we can all be friends. <laughs> <laughs> and then I come to Ireland and do video. Okay. So this kind of goes off what you guys mentioned, but um, how do you all think growing up together as a band has influenced your musical style the things you write about and how well you work together. Yeah, um, I think being friends and having known each other even longer than the band has existed has been like a crucial part to like the longevity and the creativity, really. Because um, we have we just kind of have like a foundation of of when we all like when we connect, we know what we like and we're all kind of aware of each other's influences and stuff. It's not like we don't see half of the band. We all know each other really well. So um, when it comes to discussing like creativity and, you know, and then living together and being in a band, it's it makes that whole thing makes it very like cohesive and like extremely easy to do. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel lucky that I can answer that question because I, I don't know what it would like. I just never want to really know what it would like being in a band if I was like a hired gun or you know if if like Stephen was just some guy who shows up with a, a bass and I'm like how yeah what's the story like so um yeah the academics I, are quite familial I think it's our greatest strength in many ways as a band is that like we all had years of of being friends and family for me and Matt and my brother Matthew's in the band as well so that we've got we had like years of experiences being friends and family before the academic kicked off and the yeah i mean roughly we've all known each other me and matthew have obviously known each other forever again because we're brothers but the rest of us have all known each other since we were 12. so i think when you've known someone for that long and then the band got serious when we were in our kind of late teen years so that foundation i think is probably our greatest strength and like craig said god only knows what kind of shape we'd be in if we were just some guys who got together in our early 20s and didn't understand how to be around each other and didn't like really fundamentally understand who everyone each of us is as a person and how to how this well-oiled machine keeps going you know I feel like we've been really lucky oh yeah definitely I think you have that on your side for sure that's like incredible 10 years together as a band is like unheard of in the music industry so like Mm. congrats to you guys that's huge (laughs) (laughs) Thanks. Um, So I'm like, okay, so I have to just really quickly, I named my podcast Sweaty Palms because my hands sweat. Like I 
having to interview people is like very nerve wracking for me, but I love doing it. So anyway, that's just throwing that in there. My hands are sweating. I I get that too. Um, right. Yeah. Like, clean. yeah. <laughs> yeah, I did uh, this. Obviously, I get used to like performing on stage or something, but I did a guest spot. Sorry to go on a little tangent, but I did a guest spot on a local radio station recently. Mm-hmm. And as kind of a joke and as kind of a serious thing, they let me do the weather. Uh-huh. And I was doing the weather live on the radio and my palms were so sweaty. You wouldn't believe it. I was so <laughs> nervous. It was like a different type of pressure that I was just, you don't get from being in a studio or being <laughs> on stage. When I was like, when the when the mic went live and I had to read out the weather, I was like, you know, it's sunny with scattered showers and blah, blah, blah. I just, my hands were, I just remember feeling, it's funny that that's the name of the podcast because I remember like my paths have never been this sweaty before. Yeah, like you feel drenched and you're like, I want to like wipe them on my pants. But then if you do, then you like leave the sweat stains and people are like, something's wrong with her. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's crazy. <laughs> so my next question is, your song, My Very Best, seems to take on themes of mental health and the idea that you can't help someone who doesn't want to help themselves. How did you come up with the concept or idea for the song and what made you want to write about this specific type of relationship? It was personally happening, which made it quite easy. The title had just arrived out of a situation of a like a relationship breakdown. And uh, yeah, it's interesting because um, it's 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 like from me to that person. But um, it was just one of those moments where like I think like it was it was written in COVID times and it was like everything was very heavy and um you know we were like you you weren't seeing a lot of each other and um it was like that desperation to to, like find that breakthrough of I know this can be good if I can just work and try everything I can and it just never kind of happens and it's kind of facing that reality that no, no matter like how good or hard you try um you sometimes your best isn't good enough and um it's just a, it's a little stinker to accept in in love and and loss but um yeah it is i think we, like we say it's kind of the the emotional centerpiece of the album mm-hmm. um and i just feel that title when it when it lands it, i think it just kind of perfectly wraps itself around and um, then the verses are this kind of storyteller going about difficulties and in, in even like stuff that's quite like simple, like, uh, you know, like letting an assumption ruin your day, mm-hmm. you know, those small little things that you're kind of playing mind games. And then, you know, there's the bigger thing that sometimes you try and avoid and work really hard to fix, but it just doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. It's a great song. I am. Um... I, when I heard it the first time, I just felt like I'd experienced that so many times in my life. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just, it really resonated with me. So I'm really glad that you guys wrote it and produced it and let it out into the world because I feel like it's helped a lot of people, including myself. So thank you for that. Oh, thank you. Thank I'm you. Cheers. I'm curious about the timeline for when artists choose to release new music, whether it be a single EP or in an album. Um, your debut album, Tales from the Backseat, um, was released about five years ago. Why did you decide to release your newest album, Sitting Pretty Now, with singles and EPs being released in between? I guess it's a great question because it wasn't, it, the way things happened wasn't the plan. Um, <laughs> we released <laughs> we released our first album in 2018 and we did that kind of as an independent band. And then we, we had a great, we had a really fun couple of years 
touring touring that album. And then at the end of 2019, as we were starting to think about working on a second album, we'd released a couple of singles just to tie that over. And as we started to have serious discussions about the second album, we ended up signing a record deal with Capitol Records. And then three months after that, uh, COVID happened. So there was this real sense of why on earth would we release a second album if we couldn't do our favorite thing and tour it to everyone who wants to hear it. So that really kind of made our minds up for us in the sense that maybe it's time for an EP. Maybe it's time for like an EP where we can get five or six songs out of our system. We can experiment a little bit. We can still have a couple of singles off them. We can still do music videos. We just can't tour. Mm -hmm. And that was a harsh reality we had to accept. So essentially when you when you talk about the two EPs that came in between the album Act of My Age and Community Spirit, um, they were very much influenced by by the pandemic. And we only started to have then the conversations about the second album when we were absolutely positive that we could do it on, you know, on our terms, get everyone together in a proper old school studio with everyone jamming together, true collaboration. And then when we were finished it, that we could release it, pack our bags and hit the road, which is what we've been doing for the last couple of weeks. It's been really fun. But yeah, it was, like I said, none of that was planned. There was a lot of, like we had no idea at, in, in March, 2020, what what we were working on, if it was going to go towards an album, if it was going to be a standalone single, we were just kind of rolling with the punches and it ended up being two EPs to, to fill that time. And thankfully we arrived at Sitting Pretty in a version of the world where we can go on tour. Mm-hmm. That's, that's awesome. Yeah. Cause I guess COVID kind of changed everything for everybody. So mm-hmm. I was really curious about that dynamic, but that's cool. I like, how it kind of fell together and it worked out for you guys, which is great. Um, so, oh, sorry, hold on. <laughs> got a little nervous. <laughs> okay. Um, how do you think being a band from Ireland has helped or hindered your band in breaking into the music scene? Obviously you've had a lot of success. Um, so I'm curious just to hear your perspective on the European music scene and quote, making it big. Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I think for a while, People didn't know we were Irish. <laughs> Am I right in saying that? Because oh, no. like, <laughs> like I think we're so influenced by American bands, and the first album was made in America. And I, I don't particularly, I don't know. Maybe you can tell me. I don't think I sound like Shane McGowan or <laughs> something like. <laughs> um. So I always felt like some people would, you know, like comment and go, "Are, are these guys Irish?" Um. But as far as like getting out of Ireland, there there does seem to be a desire there. Like people like Irish interest in Irish music is definitely out there. And I think if you can prove yourself as as a good act from Ireland, it, people will potentially listen just because of like the rich history that that comes out of it, like out of the arts in general, not just music. So I guess that's one way it's helped. I don't know if you have another angle, Steve. Uh, what I was thinking was, I guess, because the Irish is such serial emigrators and that you will find Irish people all over the world. I mean, that's definitely helped us in that we've been accepted with open arms pretty much everywhere we've went. Um, and also, yeah, I guess we're quite lucky that there's a real kind of happening scene right now within Irish alternative music where, like, you've seen huge international success with the likes of Fontaine's DC and Inhaler and 
I mean, like if, if yeah, if we can be involved in that conversation and, and, you know, thankfully we've got a decent following in, in Europe and the UK and stuff. It's, there's a really, really healthy scene for, for Irish acts trying to make it overseas at the minute. Um, I, I don't think it's hindered us in, in any way to to answer the flip side of your question. I can't think of a way in that one thing we never wanted was to be that band who went overseas and only Irish people were at the gigs. We never wanted yeah. that. We never wanted just all the expats showing up and shouting Irish things at us on stage. And thankfully, we're not that band. We get a healthy amount of support from Irish people if they happen to be in, you know, wherever, Vienna, uh, Toronto, where, you know, it's like, we, we get like one or two people and they're like, oh, I'm from Ireland, I'm from here and that's cool. But thankfully, we've we always had ambitions to be an international band. And like Greg said, that maybe we don't like sound like what you would think a traditional Irish band would sound like. So, yeah, it's only I think it's our identity as, as Irish people has only helped us. I don't think it's hindered us in a single way. Thank God. That's awesome. I'm like half Irish, half German. I don't know if you can tell by the hair. Um, uh, cool, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I just, I had to ask because I thought it was really cool. I've, I've, I've been to a couple of festivals in Europe, um, mostly in Denmark because my other sister's in Denmark, but I just was curious to see the differences between the European music scene versus American because I work, you know, here in, in the US, but I would love to transition over at some point in Europe and see how that would be from my myself too, I guess. Um, cool. Yeah, we'll see. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> okay. Um, how much creative freedom ha- did you have along the way in being able to craft your image? It's kind of weird. Uh, I'd say 100%. I think 100%. Yeah. We've, ne- we've never kind of bended to anyone's. And t- to be fair, we've never, I don't know. Is there a, pers- maybe, maybe this thankfully is a way of the past where you'd have these management groups or record labels who'd have this kind of unfair amount of influence over what an act sounds like, what an act looks like. I think in the age of like social media and stuff, like transparency has never been more like at the forefront of what makes acts popular. I think people can tell if like, if you shoved us all in like white tuxedos and we were like, hey, this is the new look for the academic. I think people would be like, I don't buy that. I don't buy that that's what they want to do. So I think thankfully there's more transparency than ever and and that like acts who are like being unashamedly themselves are rising to the top. I hope anyway. I, 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 I think that's like a really uncynical way to look at it. But for the most part, I do believe that to be true. I don't know about you, Craig, what you think. I d- yeah, I was going to agree. I feel like when we maybe started in the music industry and had a bit of interest, getting to meet other bands along the way at like club shows or whatever, there was definitely the idea of seeing a band be micromanaged behind the scenes was normal. And luckily we didn't get into that too much, but I actually kind of really do feel like what's even saying, like it is dead in the water in a way. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's definitely been, it's more beneficial to just be yourself, which is a brilliant thing to say, but yeah, totally agree with Stephen. Did you know the example I was thinking of was, was like, I know he's not like musically comparable to us probably at all, but it was Lewis Capaldi. I know he's kind of popular in America as well, but just someone who's so unashamedly himself and couldn't probably put, no one could do that act if they tried because it's so kind of natural to him and it's so who he is. And yeah. I think people people buy into that and that's what makes people love him. He's hilarious. I love seeing mm. kind of the, 
this sounds weird to say, but like the humanity behind artists, because I think, you know, when you become famous, people tend to want to rip you apart or put their assumptions of who you are on you. But if you can completely be yourself, then you can connect with a lot of different people and people seem to, you know, kind of, I don't know, feel like they, they can relate to you more. I don't know. Or I guess the exactly. I watched um, the YouTube video that you guys posted for the live looper version of Bearclaw. I thought it was such a unique concept for a video. How did you come up with the idea to make it? And was it all in one take or did you have to take like several takes if you messed up or something? No, it, amazingly, it was all one take. Smoking. <laughs> um, yeah, look, there's no technical wizard in the academic. We, <laughs> we're always looking for cool ideas and um, we're very open to kind of seeing what kind of forms our, our music can live inside of. And um, we just teamed up with these guys who had an idea and it it, it took a lot of musicality to fit fit it into like this whole forcing the Facebook Live to work. So we had to like, yeah, change the tempo of our song Bear Claws and we we done like a whole day's rehearsal and there was there was like we got it in one take but there was numerous takes of us either the whatever it was like the machine that was freezing the lag kept going so um overall it turned out great but um it it was tough to get there but um the end result obviously impressed quite a lot of people and you know it 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 kind of broadcast broadcasted us around the world and i think it's one of our most viewed things we've ever done so uh no, proud of it, but it was a big load of stress getting to the finish line. Yeah. I thought it was an amazing video. I actually went on a date with a guy and I brought up that I was going to be interviewing on. He was like, oh, my gosh, I saw that video on YouTube. Like, you have to watch it. And I was like, I've already seen it. But he <laughs> thought it was really cool. <laughs> Where do you guys hope to see the band in five years? Like, have you had a timeline for what you what you want to be doing or what where you want to be playing or you know anything in general i guess yeah i think the biggest thing is that it took so long between the first album and the second album it took five years so we we just really don't want it to take that long again we want to go i think really quick with our third album Mm -hmm. we want to as soon as we're finished touring this one we might practice some stuff while we're sound checking Mm -hmm. across like the rest of the european tour and the north american tour and then hopefully get in a studio straight away and I don't know, maybe have like a couple of albums out in the next five years, definitely. Um, but I don't I don't think we've any like big goal that we'd like pin up on a, on our walls and say we wanna do that. I think we just wanna keep claiming these little victories and trying to keep bumping our band up the ladder and keep we're lucky that every time we go back to a new place, it's usually in a bigger venue and a bigger venue. And if we can just keep bumping that up and keep that kind of slow but steady progression that we've had over the last few years, if we could just keep that going and if people were still passionate about our music and if fans still kind of found comfort and meaning in our music, I think that would be probably uh, the biggest goal. But yeah, the main thing is just not take so long this time. <laughs> well, it wasn't your fault, you know, pandemic kind of, well, that is true. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, kind of lag a couple things. Um, so I was gonna say something else, but I'm I'm gonna come see you guys either in Chicago or Colorado. I haven't decided yet. So oh, great. Oh, cool. Where are you based? 
Um, so I'm in Athens, Georgia, which is like a small little town. If you know anything about Georgia, like Atlanta is the big city and that's where my parents live. Um, but my friend, I have a friend who lives in Denver. So I was like, okay, I can come see him and then we can go to y'all show or I can go to Chicago because the company I work for is based out of there. And then I'll come see you guys, maybe with some of my coworkers. So we'll see. Yeah. Amazing. Uh, Athens, Georgia is a huge music history. It is. Yeah. I'm actually set to interview Mike Mills from REM. Oh, he's like my hero. Yeah. He's awesome. He actually lives in Athens still. And I see him, I worked at the 40 watt club, which is like a smaller music venue there for all of college. Um, And he would come in all the time. So we know each other. Um, no way. Yeah, I'm. I'm a little, cool. a little very nervous too for that, but it'll be okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I seen I seen an REM doc years ago, mm-hmm. and they were talking about Athens and playing at house parties and the B52s and all yeah. that stuff. Um, yeah, REM are like probably one of my favorite American bands, and there's a bass player, Mike Mills. Like he's like the second coming of Paul McCartney on bass. He's just so melodic. He's a genius. What's something you've learned about the music industry that you didn't expect? Um, whether it be on the live side of the business, like with touring or in recording, um, just was curious about that. Um, it's such a good question. I'm not, we, we were, we were so naive when we started the band that I feel like almost, almost everything we've learned has taken us by surprise. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to think there's one thing that really sticks out. Have you got anything, Greg? Like for me, it's like small things that don't sound that important, but like, when you're on the road so much, like, you know, genuinely eat well, mm-hmm. you know, you can just, sometimes you just think you can eat the quickest thing near you and it's just gonna, it's just gonna destroy you. <laughs> like, I think I I definitely had that happen to me on the road. Uh-huh. I'd say everyone else in the band would admit it, but um, yeah, I suppose just like the endurance that it takes to kind of be able to do it. So like, I guess, the live thing is probably where we learn the most because we'd probably do it the most. So, um, yeah, just the kind of checking in on yourself and keeping yourself going is, is like a, a learning curve. Every time you, you know, you pack a bag and you, you learn something new about it or, you know, bring an extension lead because like <laughs> plug isn't beside the bed or like silly things like that. And then, um, but I'm trying to think say- of something huge to say but i just can't get one i think just even to bring it back to the live looper thing the video it's just like a general open-mindedness of like recognizing when a good thing is a good thing and going with it and um yeah just like not being too 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 headstrong or, or conservative or anything like that just having a nice open mind and yeah i see that's not even no, it's I think even, that is that's, that, that's the big answer, Steve. That's the big yeah, answer. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if like I don't we know open. where we we learned that or or if that's even something you learn about the music industry. But I just think if if anyone was listening to this who was like looking for advice like that of what any of this experience has taught us, it's just to to keep an open mind. Collaboration is key, and it'll only make you better in kind of everything that you're trying to do. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's a great answer. I also like that you mentioned um, bringing up touring on the road because i know how hard that is on like your body and just mentally and you know you're traveling and whether it's you're in a bus you're on a plane like it just whenever i go to see my dad in europe or my siblings over there just getting there is such a process so you guys have to take a you know eight to nine to ten hour flight to get here when you do your 
North American tour. And then you got to drive all the way around to fly whatever you're doing. So that's just, that's intense. And yeah, eating properly is important. And then also keeping an open mind, I think going into doing what you're doing because you're creative. So that's, you know, like a staple of being a creative person is having an open mind. Um, yeah. So smart. Oh my gosh. I mean, I knew that <laughs> I said as if I'd be surprised, but you just, you know, it was really, it's really been really cool to talk with you and listen to, you know, what, what you've talked about and, and the experiences you've had. And I just really thankful for this opportunity. So thank you for wanting to, you know, do this, I guess. <laughs> no, our Thanks for having us on. And I think that was all of my questions. Yeah. But I guess my very last one was going to be like, what are you most excited about when you come on your North American tour? But I think you already answered that in the, the interview that y'all had last week. I was a part of that, but I, I had myself muted. So I didn't get to talk, but I'm glad I got to this this week or today i'm getting nervous now wow i gotta stop okay <laughs> <laughs> thank you guys so much thank you zoe that was great been thanks fun. so been much really fun yeah you should put some like too. funny music in the break that we just had you yeah, put some, really like, yeah. Music or something. <laughs> that would be great <laughs> and i can't like, wait you know the- Sorry. I was going to say, you know, you know, the Spongebob thing is like four hours later. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <That's exactly. laughs> I got to show you something before you get off. This is sorry for my messy apartment, but. There we yeah. go. <laughs> there we go. Yeah, I have. I had an obsession over um, COVID, like quarantine and stuff. I just painted a lot because it was like my last year of college. And I painted, I think, probably over 20 of those, but I've given most of them away. So, yeah. That's That's cool. Very cool. Super cool. <laughs> Yeah. Okay, I'll let you guys go because I know you probably have very busy days and want to, you know, enjoy it. So, thanks, Zoe. It's nice to meet you, and we'll see you in whatever gig you come to. Yes, Chicago and/or Denver. Amazing. Super. Can't wait. Yeah.